all that stuff goes into it. It's all tagged. What was the call to action? What was the funnel they went through? All that's reported after they become a customer. What products did they subscribe? Did they move to a subscription? Did we uh, what did we upsell, cross sell them? All that data goes into a data warehouse, and so we're able to basically predict like to very, I think it's 95% degree of accuracy, like the churn, which also makes it so that we can um, predict uh, to 99% accuracy, uh, the the demand plan for, for products. Welcome to the Glam and Grow podcast. I'm your host, Takara Suet, head of partnerships at Wavebreak. On this show, we talk with leaders of beauty, fashion, and lifestyle brands. We dive into their stories, lessons learned, and perspectives on how the industry is ever-evolving. Subscribe and join us each week as we glam and grow. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right, and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call. Joining me today on Glam and Grow is Daniel Hodgkin, CEO and founder of Vegamore. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. I am so excited to have you on the show. So if you want to tell me a little bit about your background, it's very different than where you sit today. Um, tell me about your prior company, ViOClix, and how you ended up in hair care. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you don't have to go yeah. in too deep, but just curious your entrepreneurial background and, and how you got into hair care from that, because that is super interesting. First of all, thanks for inviting me today. I'm always excited to talk about Vegamore and, and to connect with other uh, people uh, across the, the the podcast universe, um, but but you know my background. I you know I grew up. Um, my father is um, you know second third generation New England dairy farmers, and you know wow. he, had he was able. He was the only one in his family to escape the farm by running away and joining the navy when he was seventeen. Um, he went on to become an engineer, and and we moved all around the world. I lived in I think probably like twenty different places by the time I was seventeen. And so um, but, but living abroad, you're not, you know, as a kid, you're not allowed to like get a paper route or like any kind of job. And so my dad was, you know, he was adamant that I wouldn't grow up to be, or he tried to make it so I wouldn't grow up to be a spoiled kid. Um, I don't know how <laughs> successful it was in that, but one of the things he was like he would send me to the to the farm that he grew up on. First, I would stay with my grandparents, and um, and then um, each summer, and then later on when they passed, I would stay on, on my uncle Bob's farm. And, um, and, you know, that would be like three months a year that I would spend, you know, working, you know, first I was rather small and not able to do much. It's more like a babysitting thing. But like, you know, when I was able to actually, you know, throw bells of hay up on a wagon and and, and get my hands dirty in the garden and, and you know, mucking stalls and, 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 and milking cows, it was a... a completely different experience. It was like going into this time warp thing. This is before the internet, before fax machines, before, you know, long, long wow, we're really going back there. <laughs> this to say, and it was living in Bangkok or living in Australia or living in, you know, it was like a really different from a change of life, a change of pace. And it was these farms that, that my relatives had, had been in the family or, or hundreds of years old. Uh, the, the house that my uncle Bob lived in is, a. Uh, it was a couple hundred years old. It was on a kind of a tilted on axis. So like you could like just kind of roll the salt down the table at dinner time, you know, <laughs> at the, 
Uh, but it was it was a real it was a great experience for me, um, and it's something that never like left me. And I really kind of feel felt attached to to the land. My, my uncle Bob was a real you know they didn't have a lot, and so it was you know it was organic farming before organic farming was was cool. It was by necessity because they didn't have the money to buy the fancy fertilizers. So there was all kinds of you know crop rotation and and you know learning learning how things grow. And, and my uncle Bob used to always say, if you take care of the earth, she'll take care of you. And you know for them it was very vital. Because because pretty much everything they consumed, um, you know, ate or they, they either grew or, or raised themselves. And so, you know, that that dependency or interdependency on on the land uh, as a per, as a providing uh, force uh, for for life, you know, sustaining life was like, I mean, you know, ingrained in me at, at, a, at a young age. And I saw the importance of that, you know, go from a city kid who had no idea that, you know, potatoes grew underground. I thought they grew on bushes like tomatoes did, you know, until I had to go <laughs> weed them one day. Um, <laughs> but it was it was a really amazing experience. And, and that connection, that fascination with like, you you know, basically what at that time was was regenerative agriculture. We were trying to like move back to that period today. Um, and it's something I, I advocate for, you know, fully. But like every time I, I, we would, I would live in like, you know, Indonesia or Thailand. And I would actually, when we go out, I'd see how other people were, were farming or, you know, you know, and, and I would always kind of like try to learn as much as I can and see if there's anything I, I could bring back to me the next time I was going to summer on the farms. But um, fast forward to a million years later, um, you know, I'm after college, I'm, you know, I had all kinds of, I, I pretty much came to the conclusion that I was unhireable. So I was going to have to make, <laughs> so you had to make your, your own job. <laughs> so I started with the import export business and it, that grew into a clothing company. I was a clothing designer, I had a line called Exhibit A, which sold like all around the world when I was, uh, I think when I was still in, in university. Um, and then, uh, you know, after, after I was uh, asked to leave university, <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that sounds like that would be a long story. <laughs> well, no, 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 really. it's, I think there was basically an attendance rule, and I was supporting myself through, and I and I was I had this international business, and I would always have to, you know, I would I'd get good grades. I would, you know, I have friends take notes, and I turn my papers in, I get good marks on tests, but their um the school decided they would need to in, implement a, an attendance policy in order for you to be able to actually pass a class. <laughs> um and and I think the entire campus like kind of knew or, or some people did know it was because of me and and I and and I was probably the most hated person on campus for a really long time. So I like to try to keep <laughs> but um I I I ended up doing like software development and and in biz dev on you know when the whole dot com craze sort of like kicked off um and, and it was really into the program. I have ADHD so I'm kind of like awful. I didn't notice. <laughs> um, and so I mean if I get if I'm I like it. I go deep and I go like really. No, I like it. You have one of the most fascinating backgrounds I've ever heard. So this is fascinating. Well, I think it's a, it's, some people call it a, it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's a, I would imagine. You can kind of shortcut, you can see things that barely quickly, you know, almost instantaneously sometimes. If you don't know how to explain it to someone later in, in English in a linear sentence, that's really hard to do sometimes and, and often frustrating. But like it is, it, it, you know, it is an interesting thing to have that if, if used properly, if you can learn to hack it, right. It, it's, it can be very powerful and, 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 and enable you to accomplish like things that, that would 
otherwise take a tremendous amount of time. Um, but also, if you aren't focused, it can also be debilitating. And, and you know, you can you have too many things you're thinking about. So it's really it's a it's a constant practice. I have all these like life hacks for it today. Like, you know, a lot of it has to do with like cold plunge, like making sure that you drink enough, you know, like 300 milligrams of caffeine in the morning, an hour before you, you know, when you exercise and then like going into a, a cold plunge, which like increases your dopamine uh, by like 350 percent, your epinephrine, norepinephrine levels by like 500 percent and if you've got that caffeine for in the d2 of d3 receptors for this for the dopamine to attach to i get like three to four hours of intense focus after that that you're like, like super regimented every day well yeah. like if I, if I well not i try to be let's say i'm not perfect when the days that i the days that i can do that are are, are great days for me the days that i don't tend to be a little more loosey-goosey <laughs> <laughs> well i'll try to keep you on track okay so we're in college you're like already this like serial entrepreneur, really Um, going to school, I guess, as a side hustle. So you leave school and then how did, how did you get into software engineering? Um, You're kind of just testing out the waters of what you ultimately really wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was a clothing manufacturer for that. And then I had a, um, had a very popular junior contemporary line that was like all over the place. Um, I thought that that after a while that that wasn't high enough like profession or vocation for me so i I high-minded enough i guess so i i i started a um a newspaper which was kind of a crazy it was called the international trade and business journal it was about connecting u.s manufacturers with like people that wanted to purchase u.s goods abroad because at the time again this is pre-internet and there was no real i i knew from living abroad that people really wanted that made in usa label and i knew that from being in the u.s we are part of the one of the luxuries or one of the i guess downsides of being a, the largest single market economy in the world is that we very rarely had to look outside our shores for you know to depend on exports for for revenue from manufacturers so um whereas like if you're like germany like you dip, like 90% of your revenue comes from like exports so it was a it was a publication that was meant to help like turn american manufacturers on to the like you know how to export what a letter of credit was for example how to conduct these chinese transactions how to use the resources that were available to them through like the various small business administration the the department of commerce etc um and and then connecting is basically like a there's a publication here in, in la called the Re, or the recycler it's like a basically a, a it was basically all people that wanted to buy stuff on one in one part of the paper and people that had stuff to sell and they could just connect the dots um that i did that um that was one of the I think it was my first big failure because I bet the entire farm on that. And I didn't realize that um, I thought I could, I, I would be able to get it to the, it was almost, it almost made it, but it was expenses of sending a, a publication like that all around the world was, was pretty expensive. And, um, and, I, and I had several offers to, you know, people to invest, but like they wanted a majority share. And I was like, there's no way I was an idiot. I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> And, well, and, I don't know about idiot, but I think you were just kind of uh, figuring it out. Yeah, but I mean, it was one of those things where like kind of crashed and burned. And that was really our first <laughs> failure. We lost our house. We lost everything. I was like, oh, wow. Because oh. I think when you're when you have success at a younger age, it's kind of like after a while and you have a few successes. You're like, oh, like I'm good at this. I can, you know, I've got this in my mind anyway. I thought oh, I just might as touch. But like it turned out that I didn't. And that was like amazing lesson. Although at the time it was the worst thing. That I thought could have ever happened to me. I'm so glad that I 
that I had that early. So I'm like, oh, you know what? You can totally fail. So you better like, you know, be a little more cautious or just, you know, think, think, just know that you can. Um, and, and, and that is actually, and, and have a plan, you know, B, C, and D just in case, like, you know, and be able to pivot quickly. So, and I've kind of like, you know, I always have a backup plan and a backup plan. For the backup you know, plan. that's interesting Doing that it. you say that. Cause I feel like a lot of people will actually say, don't have a backup plan go in hard what you're doing because the backup plan plan kind of deters you from like going all in in something. So that's interesting to hear that that is not your your process. Like are you all in on Vegamore or is there always still like a plan B because you're you're killing it. So I find oh, that very interesting. Definitely yep. all in. Like you know, we're on this journey and so like but there are certain things factors that are beyond our control. I mean, look at the recent banking, financial crisis, you know, some of the people, the vendors that we work with, or some are like, we're with SVB and, and, you know, look at the war in Ukraine. Like there's so many things that the global pandemic, like these are things that are beyond your control. So like, yes, I'm all in on Vegamore. So passionate and so, you know, driven by the mission and, and what we're trying to accomplish and what we want to achieve and what we're, we're, we have the great privilege of achieving, especially like in, in areas of like social impact, uh, which I'm, I'm very passionate about, but like, you never know. So it's it's always good. Like, don't bet the bet the farm, but make sure that you got like you know, you keep like a goat or something. Because <laughs> you never know. And, yeah, and I love that. That's great. You know, but there's it's it's also probably from comes from having failed several times or being getting in trouble as a kid. Like always, like having you know, making sure that like there's always. I always wonder if there's another, like when this other shoe is going to drop. And then someone recently said to me, well, what if like, you know, the universe only has one leg. (laughs) So I do try to, you know, I do try to, I absolutely do have like a glass half, half full kind of attitude towards everything. And, and, and I think, I mean, otherwise I've never would have tried the, I've, I, like you said, I've tried things that I have no idea, like I've never no experience in them. And yet, like sometimes I think that can be a huge disadvantage, but other times, like, especially with regard to vegan war, I didn't know that you weren't supposed to be able to do this or supposed to be able to do that. And because I tried and I didn't know that it was the wrong way or the incorrect, not the official way, it actually, it actually served us really well, you know, and again, just got lucky, right place, right time. A lot. Of yeah, talk to me about that. That timing. Did you see? Did you see the white space in in hair care at that time, or what? How did Vegamore come to be? Yeah. So again, I, I was in software development. We, we, you know, we Vioclix was a web audience measurement system. Like, so when the internet came out, I got really excited. I was like, oh, this is perfect for a person with ADHD. There's so many different parts <laughs> and bits of it that you can do, um, you know, to like really like, like specific widgets around e-commerce platforms and, and online banking and fraud scrubbing controls and geo retargeting, all that. It was amazing because it was a level playing field and everyone was brand new to it. And it's like 1997, 1998. And it was like so much fun. There was no one that really knew more than, than you did. It was just a matter of how fast you could read and how fast you could learn how to code. Um, and, and so I think what one of the, and we had offices all around the world, you know, for, for our company and, and, uh, but I, I was asked, by some friends of mine to to help them they were having problems but they had a spa line and it was a it was, it was in 2004 2005 and they were trying to do it clean it's just like before there was such a thing as clean beauty it was like it was paraben free it was like free of synthetic fragrances and it was really wonderful but it was early stage and it was and you can remember like the clean skincare even back in 2012 like remember and now it's changed a lot you wouldn't like rub in. It was like gluten-free bread when it first came out. Like, you, <laughs> like 
That's still how gluten free bread is. <laughs> actually, there's, it's almost actually pretty good. <laughs> but but I, I think you know for, for for me being asked you know to help them figure out why they were having inconsistency from formulation from batch to batch you know and and I was like oh well where are you sourcing your raw materials from and it was all plant botanicals and I was like well like if you like there's like you know. 36 different types of rosemary or, you know, there's diff- different strains and, and, and depending on even the same strain, depending on where it's growing, depending on the soil content, depending on like the, the nitrogen um, levels or pH balances of the soil, how much rain it's getting, the minerals that are in that rain, uh, how much sunlight, all these things are contributing factors that can change like, you know, the, 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 the quality of, 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 of active ingredients, you know, and especially in clean beauty at that time, if you're trying to be preservative free. And so I was like, you need to develop consistency in the supply chain. And so I helped them set up some, you know, with, with some really small producers in Southeast Asia. That's where they were at the time. And, and I, I had so much fun because it was like, reminded me of like being a kid and growing up and, and, and experiencing other people, like how they, their, what their agricultural methods were like. And it kind of like got me out from behind a computer, which was, I was in a dark with a computer all day long, you know, 18 hours a day. And I could get out in the field and I, I could like you know, work with people and, and indigenous farmers and 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 and, and oh help. you were physically there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because I we had a satellite office in Thailand and I I kind of lived there. We had a we had a programming house in in Chennai in India. And after 9-11, they couldn't come to um, it was hard to get a visa for, 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 for people from engineers out of India at that time. So we just set up offices in Bangkok, which is another place that I grew up in. So I, you know, actually I met my wife there. I, you know, when we were in high school together there, oh, I heard wow. And I, I, my dad was, you know, an engineer with a petroleum company. Um, so yeah, we actually met in ninth grade there. So it was always kind of a fun place for us to, you know, go be. And so we, we set up a, a, a satellite office there so that when we had wanted to have meetings with our team from India, either we could go there and it's not that far or they could come to us and it was only like an hour and a half time difference. So we kind of working on the same schedule. But so yeah, I was in Southeast Asia at the time. And so I get to go out in the field and, and work on some of these projects. And I was like, well, this is so much fun. Fast forward to, I don't know, 2013, I'm, I'm in LA working on a project for John Paul DeJoy working on, um, he was setting up a, a he's, he's a Paul Mitchell guy, right? And the, in the Patron tequila guy. And, um, and he was setting up a, a, a telephone company, a mobile phone company he wanted to work. And I was at the time I had, it was one of the things I was doing building back in databases for, for platforms like that. Um, this is all pre apps. And, um, and he found, he had discovered like this, he was looking for something that was, um, like what's the next phase beyond like tea tree oil or argon oil, which, you know, and I think a lot of their, there was a lot of competition for Moroccan oil at the time. And, you know, JP is a great, like, um, discover of new things and, and, and trendsetter. And he found marula oil and, and, and sent it to Princeton Labs, had a bunch of studies done it, found that was really high in oleic acid, you know, uh, steric acid, super high in like, you know, antioxidants, you know, omega-3, 6, and 9 fatty acids. It was interfollicular and, and it was also great for skin. He's like, this is the next big thing in hair care. And so, but they didn't have a source for it. So, a buddy of mine who was who knew that I had done all the sourcing and growing up on farms and stuff around the world, he's like, Hey, why don't you get Dan to go find it for you? So like, you know, I'm I'm I was there for a completely different mission, but like when someone asks you, you know, if the billionaire asks you, like, can you help him out? I'm like, okay, sure. Yeah, you help him. <laughs> 
So I, I, I went off to, I knew that, you know, from Google that like the source of rule was usually in, in Southern Africa or Madagascar. So I went and like kind of like combed the, that part of the world to find the best source, the place that didn't use like lots of insecticides, there's no DDT. Um, and there was like a, a plentiful source ended up landing on Namibia. And I just kind of like setting up that supply chain and, you know, which was, has never been done at scale. Merule is like a, it's like an apricot without a lot of flesh and a big, huge pit inside. And so you have to kind of like core it, let it dry in the sun. And then after a couple months, you can crack it open. And inside of these tiny little slivers that when you squeeze them uh, of like a nut like material, it's a seed basically. And just this beautiful oil comes out, right? This oozes out. But it has to be done by hand. If you crush it, like press it, like you do, or this it, the lipase enzyme gets it intermixes with the seed material and it starts to germinate. It starts to go rancid. So you really have to do it by hand. It's a it's a it's a very labor intensive process, which is kind of you know it's hard if you want to do large scale production. I was gonna say, how do you scale? Well, you you set up like a whole entire system. So right now we're in, we have set up a, a, a sustainable supply chain with five thousand women in fair trade partnership that we work with in northern Namibia. We work with another fifteen hundred or so in, in Swaziland. Um, but what 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 we've set up? We set up basically. My wife's side of the family, her side of the family is all like, you know, Agency for International Development, World Wildlife Foundation, UNESCO. So I had all these great NGO advisors, like who are the people that have authority in this part of the world? Who is basically, they said to me, the women basically are the economic backbone of, of, of the families in this part of the world. They do the work. Wow, that's incredible. themselves warriors. So the men kind of sit around and don't do much. Um, and, and, uh, but very uh, interesting. Okay. We said like we needed to get community organizers and 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 the best people to get probably would be like retired school teachers because one, they're used to talking in front of large groups of people and they can instruct and they also have the respect of the communities. And so like we basically organized like this whole like crew of um of formal school teacher, former school teachers and train them on, you know, wild harvesting, sustainable practices, you know, how to do full traceability so that we're, you know, so that everything is accounted for if we we come up with a, uh, something that's contaminated. We know where it came from. We can write down to the GPS coordinates of where that was collected. So we set up this amazing system where these women would go out and, and organize groups of like 15 to 20 women. And, and it was a, it, to, to basically, you know, harvest these, you know, wild harvest this, this fruit, um, process it, crack it open. And, and, and we would come around like every fortnight or so during the season and collect their, their kernels and then go and cold press them in, in our, in our facility. Away. And so for me, I just, when I saw, I don't know, just like when I landed in Africa and I met those people and I, and I saw the impact that it had in their lives and I just saw how much good it could do and where there was not a lot of opportunity. I was just like, this is, I don't know, this is what I want to do. And so like, I kind of just stopped the software. I, just, I was like, I got to do this. And so, so I, in that was, moment, Vegamore was yeah. born essentially. Well, I mean, so what I was doing was I was supplying marula oil and other botanical actives to, to you know, we, we'd go to Cosmo Prof, we'd go to all the big shows, we have a booth, and, like, people would buy it. I had orders from, you know, all the big multinational conglomerates, you know, and who would put these actives in their products. But, you know, usually, sadly, though, only in, you know, kind of... 0.001%, but there'd be a big picture of the botanical active on the on the product itself. And then, you know, it all talks about the benefits of it. But it was a such it's kind of a marketing claim kind of thing, which, you know, sometimes in the in the beauty business, 
we, th- that's done. Um, and I was like, wait, guys, if you if you actually knew what this stuff could do, here are the clinical studies. If you could see that it's interfollicular, it stimulates, you know, circulation. It helps like reduce, you know, it, it, it reduce uh, swelling. It, it, there's all these things that that are very conducive to hair like health and hair growth. Um, if you use it the right percentages, and if you use it, if you want to do extra stuff, making it bioavailable. And and so I did all these studies. I made all these sample products, and we just show and really, but like thanks, kid. Like you know, thanks for letting us know. But like we're we're doing pre, we're doing well enough with the way we manufacture and formulate now. Again, this is a, a while ago before clean beauty was really like a thing. Now it's table stakes, but but back then it was sort of a new concept, and. Um, it, it, which was being kind of like slowly built up by little guys like Detox Market and Credo and all those guys were like advocating for it. Finally, the bigger guys caught on. But like, this is what I just thought, you know, it starts with a small, someone's got to start it. And then eventually, like it, it, if it's a good thing and it's beneficial, it, it will catch on and grow. And so like, it was my hope that I could, by proving that you could actually formulate this way. And so Vegamore really was a case study. I kind of set up to kind of, to, to like a, a, to model wow. out, like it would be profitable if you formulated with the right percentages of the ingredients. Yes, it might be a little ex- more expensive if you made them bioavailable so they could actually penetrate and get down to where they can do some good. And, 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 and that, you, that people would be, People would like the product because it worked for them. They saw results and they would come back and purchase it again. And so, you know, that was kind of my 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 premise. And so I was going to prove that. But then like, you know, and I didn't have any money. So I did it online, which I had a lot of experience from having, you know, payment gateways and all that kind of stuff. I knew how that it could be done without going through a middleman. Um, and so when we started, you know, in, in late 2016, it was, it was pretty, it, it grew really fast, you know, but, but, but the really cool thing, the thing I'm most proud of is that, that today, like exclusive of subscribers, like 60% of our revenue every month comes from people coming back to purchase again. So my original wow. premise formulate properly and you, and you make a product that's actually efficacious. And even though it might be a little more expensive than, you know, some of the mass brands, people because of the efficacy and because it's clean and because they feel confident and safe using it, that they'll come back and, and, and repurchase. And so that's been, that's been pretty much the, 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 the reason behind our success and, and our exponential growth. For anyone listening, who's not familiar with Vegamore, which would be pretty difficult these days to not see it at some point, at least on, on socials. What what product did you launch with? I'm curious. And what would you say today is your hero product? So that's how different question. does the brand look? Like, did it? Oh my God. It is so great. <laughs> like time machine, I think. And you look at 2016, 27, like, you know, I think I designed most of the website. It was, I'm not. Oh, wow. Good. Okay. So, yeah. And it, you know, we had no money for components. Like I, you know, it was very, very kind of primitive. Um, and, and I'm so proud of the way it looks today. Can, you know, and when I look at some of the stuff, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we actually launched looking like that. But it was, it was um, the Lash Serum, the Lash and Brow Serum was the first thing we, we launched primarily because um, we knew that for hair, it takes, it could take up to 90 days for you to see like little, like new baby hair is growing because ostensibly you already have hair. And so, but if you have like, for example, lashes, you can see a difference in two to three weeks, right? Oh, interesting. Um, for brows, if you've, if you know, if like, if you over tweeze, like a lot of us did in the <laughs> like 90s, 2000s, um, you, 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 you have like this bare spot, right? And then suddenly if you use the brow serum and you can see in five to seven days, you see little, like little whiskers poking out on your bare forehead, which was also happening in your head but you you can't see it 
but on your bare forehead, you, it's really easy to see. And so like the whole, the whole idea was like, let's, we're not a big company. No one knows who we are. We are promising a lot or we're, 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 we're actually, you know, yeah, we're, we're promising to deliver a, a, something that was a little bit like, you know, is, can we believe this? We say, Hey, Give us, give us, give us a couple of weeks with your browser lashes. If you don't see a difference, like, you know, we'll gladly, you know, take your, you know, give your money back, you know, just return the product. And so like that kind of was like to get sort of like to get us benefit of the doubt. If, and, and if people could had that experience, they could see that we could make lashes and brows grow. Like maybe they would give us benefit, benefit of the doubt that we could also make your hair like, you know, be healthy as well. And so that was the premise. That was the whole idea. And then, you know, uh, a, a year and a half later, we launched the hair serum which you know not very successfully i gotta say <laughs> really yeah. tell me about that well it was our assumption well let's say it was my assumption i'll take the the blame um that people that were interested in having long hair and long i mean long lashes and and, and, and full brows would also be interested in having like fuller hair and at the time so we, we at back in those days you could really target um look like audiences now the algorithm is smart enough to figure out like where where to push your ads and stuff like that but we we so we decided to be the same target audience and, and the same customer um and so as it turned out it, it wasn't the case at all so which was good and bad news the, the bad news is, is that we had to go figure out like who she was and how to talk to her how to like make her help her understand like what this product was and why she should you know she should give it a try um you know the, the good part was that the market was much bigger than we had thought because we were doing already a very large business in the lash and brow space and i think that there was an entire other possibility so if you'd lay a venn diagram of like lash brow and and, and hair it's only a five percent intersection even to of, this day yeah yeah that is fascinating to me i would think it would be the same customer now, especially since hair care has become so prominent in the last couple of years and such a concern for so many people. I'm shocked that ha that hasn't changed since then. Well, I mean, again, it's a different, and in two, it's really interesting, the, the, the cohort, the age demographic for lash and brow, also very different. And it's not how you think it would, it would tilt. Even like our hair care, you would imagine, okay, thinning hair, like, you know, people want fuller, thicker hair, like maybe that's a, an older cohort concern, you know, just in, in that like 35 plus. But in fact, you know, 55% of our customers are 35 plus, but 45% are 18 to 34. So different people have different reasons why they're like, they're drawn to our brand, to our product. Sometimes it's just because it's a clean brand that, that has performance that, you know, and, and, and also helps like make your hair look beautiful instantly. When you're talking about our shampoos, conditioners, our scalp detox. But, and, and sometimes it's just people do, you know, they love our gummies because they're great for, you know, hair growth. They're helping all the vitamins and minerals necessary and proteins to be able to grow healthy, beautiful, shiny hair, lustrous hair, um, you know, and, or they want the, you know, some people want their hair to grow faster <laughs> as well. So again, it, it's a, it's a really, it's quite an, a complex cohort, like profile or demographics are, are all over the place. But it's it was, you know, you can't just assume I found out that because of X that Y is gonna, you know, A equals B, therefore B equals I don't know, whatever the formula is, it's it's uh you 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 need to get the you need to actually do the work. You can't just make an assumption. And and, and how are you doing that work and analyzing the data to to come to those conclusions? Or that's something that's a constant. Oh no, no, this is actually this is one of the things I'm also very proud of. We we developed at a very early stage. 
we we realized that like the attribution, you know, from each from each platform, everyone's claiming like, you know, they're the ones that was at last click, whatever it's gonna be. And so like we were like, you know what? We don't really trust like these social media platforms or Google's platform, like or GA. Let's make our own data warehouse where and let's tag everything and let's make sure that we understand from initial like contact with a customer to retargeting, whether that was with, you know, through through programmatic, whether that was through a paid social ad, whether that was email, SMS, whatever. Um, like, can we track that? And we can see how many times, like I said, can we assign a weight and a value to each one, one of those contact points? And then, you know, not only like from that point of purchase, but also what's the life, the customer journey of, of that for each Person that we bring in, what brought them in? What was what was the type of ad that brought them in? Was it about you know, of course, about the product specific, but also were they they come on a discount? Was it for because it was it something that featured like one of our social impact ads? You know, about like how we're like helping with the HIV awareness in in in, in Namibia, for example. Uh, it, all that stuff goes into it's all tagged. What was the call to action? What was the funnel they went through? All that's reported after they become a customer. What Products. Did they subscribe? Did they move to a subscription? Did we uh, what did we upsell, cross sell them? All that data goes into a data warehouse, and so we're able to basically predict, like to very, I think, is ninety five percent degree of accuracy, like the churn. Wow. Which also makes it so that we can um, predict uh, to ninety nine percent accuracy. The, the demand plan for for products right uh through to up to 18 months out so which is another reason why we never had issues with the supply chain and the pandemic because we we pretty had a really good idea of what the customer behavior was going to be like based on years of data analysis so that's something that's a little unique to vegamore is that we you know i come that's my background is like software development and and, and building e-commerce payment gateways and all that kind of stuff so it was really important for me to make sure that we we weren't spraying and praying as like yeah because you have quite a vast product offering at this point like you have scaled the products very quickly this year retail marketers are faced with the challenge of needing to do more with less all while satisfying a consumer demand for personalized customer experiences that's why leading retail and e-commerce brands like ShopRunner, FabFitFun, and Allbirds use Iterable, the most powerful customer communication platform to design, optimize, and deliver highly personalized automated journeys that drive repeat purchases and increase lifetime value. Since switching to Iterable, Madison Reed has seen a 45% upgrade to subscription conversion with the ability to track online and offline interactions allowing for a 360-degree view of each customer. With rich customer histories and user-level AI-driven insights, you can know who your customers really are and the products they seek. Visit Iterable for retail at iterable.com retail to hear more extraordinary success stories from world-class e-commerce brands like Lola, Ritual, and Joybird who use Iterable to power growth that doesn't stop at acquisition. Go to iterable.com slash retail. That's I-T-E-R-A-B-L-E dot com slash retail. Now back to this episode. So you've been, the whole time, it's been the same sort of methodology of analyzing the data and then. Yeah. Yeah. And having that direct relationship with the customer is also was really important to me. It wasn't until just like last year that we 
have partnership with a, a, a retail partnership with Sephora. Before it was all just D to C, you know, 90% of our revenue was D to C. And, um, you know, now Amazon's coming in. I mean, it's just inevitable the more we spend on our, you know, people see our ads and then go directly to Amazon and say, oh, like, you know, how much is it? Can I get it delivered for free with Amazon Prime, for example? Um, but the majority of our business is D2C, which has been great because it allows us to have that direct one-on-one -on -one contact with our customers, um, you know, and especially in the beginning, you know, hair loss for, for among women was, uh, for whatever reason, somewhat of a taboo subject. You know, pre -COVID. it could be a very sensitive subject. Yeah, it, and and so which it, and, and our whole thing was like it shouldn't be. It's just part of life. It happens. Our skin ages. So and of course our our bodies change as we age, and you know our hormones change, and 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 our and our our hair is going to change as well. So given that you know forty percent of of you know alopecia sufferers are women. That's nearly half. Everyone knows that guys have it, but like you know, and, and that eighty percent of women will suffer some kind of hair loss at some point in their lives. Like it's 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 just it's normal. And yet we and so we've been by by bringing this conversation out into the open to, and having a discussion about it and bringing in like medical professionals. It, it's amazing. You know, we have this um lovely wonderful woman, Dr. Nira Nathan, who's like on our our, our science board and, and and an advisor. And you know, she's a, a clinical investigator at, at Harvard University at the, at the Durham School there. And and um and she has her own Durham practice. And she said, you know, I. When I tell people like between like whether like I have them have skin cancer that could be like terminal or that they that they're they're losing their hair, the reaction is much more dramatic when it's about. Oh my the gosh! Hair. I mean, she says, "I kid you not, it really wow. is." Um, so it's something deeply personal. So to be able to have that one-on-one -on -one relationship, to be able to educate on it, to be able to like shine a light on it, say this is normal, happens to almost everyone. And so, and here are some clean choices. That, I mean, everyone knows what you can do with these. The, the more toxic things they've been around for a really long time that were originally made for men and kind of like they have the 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 potency of it so that it would be marginally safe for for women um but but you know but it, it's there wasn't there, until we came along there was really really a clean solution for that and, and that was efficacious in clinical studies so you know we wanted to we, we just try to like educate people on like your First of all, you're perfect the way you are, you know, and that's number one. And, but two, if, if, if you're not healthy, happy with your hair health, like, you know, here are certain, here's the underlying root causes for what other the possibilities, um, you know, and let's help find something, you know, that based on what you're particular, because we're all different. Um, and it could be stress related. It could be postpartum. It could be, you know, PCOS. It could be so many different things. And so let's kind of like narrow down what it is and, and, and let's create a personalized solution for you. You know, first of all, let's get all the dirty products out of your out of your you know shower because you know one doesn't a lot of people don't realize that your scalp is the most absorbent part of your skin and your body. So it's four times more absorbent than the skin on your face or the skin on your arms. And so I we did not know that. Yeah, and so everything that we put into our on our scalp is because your those pores have to be large enough to accommodate the follow the big hair follicles, right? So that makes, that sense. makes sense. Yeah. So, now that means it's four times more absorbent. So like it is quite possible that like bad things that you put on, you know, we put stuff in our, you know, we, you know, we, we, we eat organic produce. We like, you know, drink mineral water out of BPA free plastic bottles. We have clean skincare, clean color cosmetics. 
and yet we just dump garbage into our hair. We dye it, we bleach it, we we you know we make it straight, we curl it, we put product chemicals in it to make it stand up or to to lie down, and and these all are you know being absorbed into like the most into the top of your head, which is it's like a sponge up here, and it's just everything's going in and going to your bloodstream. So it's really and it has a significant impact on your hair, and and I think just things like that, like education about things that, that, that hey, did you know? Um, and that you might want to think twice about like putting that, you know, $3 bottle of whatever, you know, into, into your hair or the hairspray or the dry shampoo with talc and benzene. And yeah, I know the conversation around hair care. I feel like personally, particularly in the last three years, even just amongst my friend group and just hearing people has changed vastly. Also, probably with so many new products on the horizon that just were not around years back, but it just even conversations about scalp care and, and hair care, it was just not, or, or scalp care now as skincare. Right. Skinification uh, of, of scalp. Yeah. And, yeah. and so for us, we saw very early on, like I, I knew the actors that I had were super conducive to like, you know, a healthy scalp, you know, your hair is but an extension of your scalp. Right. And and so if you don't have a healthy scalp, you can't have healthy hair. So this is something, you know, these were all things that we were having. This is the white space that I saw. There was no one talking to him about hair loss. It was kind of a, you know, we don't, you hide it and it's not necessary. Um, you know, and, and, and I think that we were one of the first brands to really focus on scalp care as it relates to your overall health. Again, it's not, it's usually not one thing. It's a combination of things, everything. And this is something that I bring from, you know, like the, my summers on the farm. And that is, I know it's like this healthy ecosystem to grow. Nothing grows around it. So you can have all, you have the perfect amount of sunlight and perfect amount of water, perfect temperature. But if your soil has got toxins in it, you're good. You're not going to grow something very nice. Right. And, and any of those variables is off. It's not going to result in a, in a, in a, in a nice, you know, uh, plant. Same thing. Like, you know, if some, our hair is a non-essential function. So it's the first thing our body redirects energy away from or resources away from when we're sick. Like when we have like something like an immune, a compromised immune system, or if we get into a state of insulin resistance because we're under stress and, you know, we're producing excess amounts of cortisol that never taper off because we're, we're not, we're not doing a thing. Things that that really signal to the body that oh the, the threat or danger is over right. Sometimes we get a cortisol spike because no one liked our Instagram post or a TikTok. Oh gosh. You know? it's <laughs> Hopefully constant, we don't. <laughs> it's a constant drip of either dopamine or cortisol, right? Yeah. So it, 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 that actually can lead to elevated like uh, insulin. It's something called insulin resistance, which causes like you know inflammation, which causes your hair to go into an early like you know shedding phase. Um, and then the resulting remaining um, inflammation that as the result of that makes it very difficult for new hair to grow up. It kind of gets strangled as trying to come up through the scalp there. And, and it's called follicular miniaturization. And then, you know, and then it dies and it, eventually it just learns, okay, you don't want me to grow. So I'll stop growing. It's not dormant. Yeah. It's not dead. It's just dormant. It's not dead. So you can reactivate those with the, with the right phytochemicals. Very interesting. Um, let's touch on branding. We haven't spoken about that yet. What was your your vision for the brand? Was it very clear from the get go? Although it sounds like it wasn't. And how did how did you come to what Vegamore is is seen as today? 
again, this was just meant to be an experiment to show people that you can That's so crazy. That. And so I just, you know, I, I was kind of like, originally the name was Vega Lash because it became one of the Lash product, right? And then it was Vega Brow and, you know, and then, but Vega hair seemed like didn't make, didn't sound very good. And and I think one of our earlier, um, our first tagline was Vega more grow with love, right? And so like, oh, love, you know, vegan. And so it was like, you know, vegan love kind of was like the, the marriage of the... I wish today that we had, you know, hired a consultant to, to come up with a name that and thought through all that. I mean, the domain name was available. That was like very important. But the <laughs> problem is for me, sadly, is like a lot of people pronounce it Vegemore or Vegamore. And it kind of like can drive me nuts a little bit. Or if you're singing on the radio or something like that, that does it. It's not people. There's a lot of different ways you could imagine to spell that. That's the kind of the problem, one of the tro- problems when you make up a word. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I could see that. But I mean, the branding, I mean, again, it was, it was, it's one of those things that, that, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money to start. We didn't have money to buy like, you know, um, you know, uh, custom components or anything like that. And so it was, it was rather, you know, it's kind of, it was what was available that we could get in a, a quantity that we could afford and then put a label on. But, you know, what we've done, I think since 2019, 2020, we really were able to, you know, bring in some great designers. We have an amazing creative director now, uh, Venny, who's just like, you know, taking it, to such a you know a, a level that I've never conceived that it could be, um, and but um, I think the 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 thing that we you know we we've never really invested in brand marketing before you know because it's just a kind of direct response and like stopping thumbs on on but now that we're you know we have a retail partner and now that we're kind of getting to a size where you know that actually you you basically you can run out of eyeballs you know in D2C as you know you know and it gets more and more competitive as more people are into that space and so how can we raise that brand awareness and that's something that we're in the process of working on now is rolling out. Uh, some really exciting our first ever brand campaigns uh you know talking about um you know people you know real people real women real stories um that's one of the pillars of that you know and and i think the theme is around hair hair she thought she could never have and maybe click into like you know oh i like that yeah, it's fantastic. And then, you know, we have like a ballerina. She's talking with a, a principal dancer with the San Francisco Ballet who, you know, was talking about the performance she thought she could never have from her hair products. Just because they're clean doesn't mean that they can't actually be high performing as well. Um, a lot of the times people's, you know, I think clean hair care is, you know, other than us, I think it's kind of in the, um, in the gluten-free bread, early gluten-free bread stage, where people haven't quite figured out how to do it. Cause like you get something that's clean and you wash your hair with it. You kind of often feel because there are no silicones or, you know, other things that dimethicones in them, they kind of like make you feel like your hair is flat. You need to, we, we have a hack for that. We use our, our proprietary ingredient car, carmitin, which actually is a, is a, a biomimetic spider silk that we've actually micro encapsulated so that it can bond to the hair. Um, and not only does it provide your hair with like moisture and, and, and protein, protein, the keratin that you, your hair is, is made of, but also because it is silk, it's actually providing this sheath, protective sheath around your hair, much in the way that silicon does, but silicon gives you that slip and shine and volume. But at the same time, silicon's drying your hair out and then like filling your pores up with all this garbage that like becomes, make it difficult for healthy sebum production to, to, to ensue. Um, and, and it can also lead to, to hair fall as well. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, a uh, the the um uh, i forgot the question <laughs> i think we're 
I, again, my ADD is like all over the place. Now we're yeah. like going down a, a serious science route. I, I'm thinking and hearing you speak. How are you, you're going so like granular into the science behind it. It's fascinating, but how are you communicating this messaging so quickly to a customer or at a level where they can really understand like comfortably without them sort of having to do a lot of work in investigating? Well, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, if you look at our blogs, right, we publish probably like six to seven articles a week, right? It's like one a day. And so we've been writing about the science behind, you know, hair wellness for, for well over, gosh, like, like five or six years now. So there's, which is one of the things that, you know, kind of helped us, you know, before COVID we were growing, we kind of, we finally figured out who our hair customer was and how to speak to her. Right. Um, And then the next day, and then how to get her into a subscription like option, because, there's no point in buying one. Like if it takes 90 days, you need three. So like you may as well just subscribe and, and take advantage of that discount. So that's also kind of made is unique for us in that there's a very compelling reason to subscribe. And you typically you don't, hair brands don't, there, there's not a, there aren't very many D to C hair brands out there, let's just say. Um, and, 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 but, but I, I think that, that for us, We've been when when COVID started, people started experiencing hair loss, and that kind of again, it's a panic. You're like, oh my god! And because we're all zooming, we're all talking, and and people were actually talking to each other about it. So it wasn't like Did this happened to you. Yes, happened to me too. Like what? And then people would Google it, and they would see like we had been writing about this, you know, very thing for for years. Um, and so people had access to the information. Um, you know, what are the various causes of it? Again, like how, why, if you if you get sick, why this might happen? or if there's some kind of crisis event in your life. And then why doesn't happen right away? Why it can take up to six months before it actually manifests, right? By that time, you've already forgotten what happened six months. And we're like, hey, what's going on? Like, I'm, I'm, a good, I'm great. Everything's, I'm in a good mood. I'm happy. Everything, life is good. But something happened six years ago. And as a result, like your hair goes through this phase and then it eventually will shed. Uh, so I, I think that the educate, we've done a great job at educating. We've got a great team, you know, for SEO and for our, all of our articles and blogs. And we have, we bring in experts and nutritionists and dermatologists, trichologists, hairstylists to talk about that stuff and, and, and the importance of like making sure that whatever we're putting onto our head is, is, is clean. And, 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 you know, and which is kind of like leads us to our, our next, you know, out of the, out of the specifically hair growth like phases in talking about hair care, which is what we're doing with our, our hydrate franchise, which we just launched, uh, last month, uh, in Sephora, uh, to great acclaim. Um, but it's, it's about like addressing like hair repair in a way that's beyond bond repair. There's a lot of, you remember there was basically the last 40 years, like we, the hair care industry sort of like covered up the problem of, 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 you know, hair damage by covering up with, um, like things that feel great, like the methicones and silicones and, you know, all these like synthetic fragrances that smell great. And, you know, but they're not really, they're not taking care of the problem. They're just kind of covering it up, but also at the same time, further exacerbating it by like even dehydrating it more. Uh, and, and then like, you know, again, all that stuff that's going into your scalp that's not good for you, which doesn't, isn't conducive to, to, to healthy hair. And so we took a, a, a approach to hair repair as 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 a means to look at like what is what's causing the damage because we always kind of take a holistic approach we're looking inside out and so and if you look at you know some of these brands now that have sort of like moved to this whole bond repair um scenario 
it's interesting. Yes, when you when you color treat your hair, when you heat treat your hair, you break what's called a disulfide, a disulfide bond, right? And 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 let's say you repair those, and, and and the resulting damage caused your hair by those broken bonds is that your hair becomes damaged, which is defined as hair that's brittle, weak, and 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 dry, right? So, but repairing those bonds doesn't actually restore the the hair to like its original state so just by repairing the bonds that's great those are repaired but the damage is still there so what we decided to do is we would approach not just the bonds we would instead of repairing them i think it's more it makes more sense to make new ones right instead of trying to put band-aids on the broken ones right but at the same time simultaneously we want to make the hair more pliable we want to make the hair more uh, to make it stronger and make it more hydrated so like with this hydrate line right now that we've got out with the three products the shampoo conditioner and the mask after a single use it you know in addition to creating new bonds you know uh it, which doesn't happen instantly it happens over time but uh immediately after the first use of the system your hair is three times more pliable three times stronger and 15 times more hydrated and it lasts for 72 hours which is oh wow the, the exact opposite of damaged hair after single use is is what we're what we're presenting it's a different um, category than the growth category, but it's also, it's clean. It's necessary. I think it's something that, you know, most we're told by Sephora that like, you know, 90% of the people that come into their doors are like, have, are complaining about damaged hair. So we thought like we could address that as well. Yeah. Super interesting. I was going to ask about hydrate. So thanks sir. Thanks for bringing that up. As you've really stepped into what it sounds like to me, really, really a CEO role now, as opposed to like jack of all trades, how do you manage your, your workflow? And like, do you have designated time blocks and meetings with certain key employees or what does that look like as you really, I guess, step into being CEO as opposed to founder that does everything? Well, I think one of the things I did, probably the smartest thing I did, you know, recently about six months ago, I, I hired a president who comes from a corporate background, who's actually really wonderful at, um, you know, at managing people and and building teams. And, you know, and early we invested in HR. And when we have like all these HR consultants, we have everyone, we made executive coaching available to everyone, like director and above, you know, really wanted to try to build like a, a wonderful culture and, and, and that was responsive to people's needs and make so that everyone felt valued and seen it's still work in progress. There's a lot of, you know, again, like I, I knew what I wanted it to be like. I didn't know how to do it myself because I never didn't have a model to emulate or, or look at, but by bringing in these professionals and then ultimately, lastly, the, the president, especially as we kind of like move towards, you know, the next phase of our journey, which is probably an eventual acquisition by a strategic, um, you know, for sure. You probably, they probably don't want me like running things because I have no corporate experience. Like I know how to do what I know how to do, but like I'm not that guy that you know. Like I mean, I'm the one falling asleep in the board meetings, right? I, I'm, you know, I'm, I want to be out doing. I want to be out in the bush doing something, you know, like. No, yeah, well, you're the visionary. I don't. I don't think. Yeah. Everyone can so be getting someone in who, who knows how to like lead teams and knows how to develop people because I think too at the at the C-suite level I had these wonderful people that like you know who were super smart super bright but like I didn't have the ability to mentor them or or help them become uh, help them grow in in their positions because like I mean again like I have I'm not the I'm not the model for uh, a, a, a corporate CEO by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, I'm still responsible for like the vision and, and, and the product development and, the, and you know, all our sustainability and social impact efforts. And 
they, you know, because of the relationship with Sephora, they, they, they like to have founders involved in like when you launch a new product or you launch a new, like, you know, geographical region. So like, you know, they had me in the UK, I flew me out to, you know, went to the UAE for the launch there. I'm going to Australia next month, uh, New Zealand. So, I mean, so kind of doing the, you know, the influencer events and like all that kind of stuff, which is not what I signed up for. But like, you know, <laughs> I feel like why do, why do these, why do I want to talk to an old man? Like, you People know, people are fascinated by founders. I mean, that's just, that's just it. Well, I, I, you know, I, 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 I hope I'm not disappointing by being a boring old guy, but, uh, but so yeah. Who has great hair. (laughs) has really good hair. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, Uh, Let's touch on um, marketing as well. You sort of touched on it briefly, but I'm curious um, as it stands today, obviously there's a lot of shakeup in in D2C and e-commerce in general. What marketing channel at the moment is most effective for you? I mean, DTC has been great for us. Um, you know, we're still we're still very strong on on all the all the, the usual platforms: Facebook, Instagram, um, you know, TikTok. Um, I, I do think that there's, you know, I think Web three is an interesting place, but maybe not quite ready for us. Um, I have some other brands that are probably a little more like ready for for that for that platform uh, for those platforms. I think that. Um, uh, you know, for us, you know, because of our the advantage we have with this data warehouse that we but we call it the Kraken, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Kraken. That and, sounds um, incredible. That that yeah. is really so, incredible. like when things happen, like when iOS changed, we, we you know we took a, a hit for like seven, I think ten days, and we were back, and we were actually wow. more profitable, better ROAS than we had before. So um, we're we're we tend to be able to pivot very quickly depending on what what the marketing conditions are, what the algorithms doing um because we and, and then also because we also know from the subscriptions and, and the in the in the in the in the return to purchase rate that's so high it allows us to be able to be very tactical and, and, and strategic about like when we want to front load like, oh suddenly like ROAS is way up CACs are down let's go and dial up the spend you know and we know that in doing that scooping up all those if if 38 percent of our new customers go typically go for the subscription option. Now we can, we can predict what that revenue will be. I mean, we can actually modify our spends, you know, accordingly. It's kind of nice to be. So if it's like, oh, we had a budget to do this much, but if there's an opportunity, we can go in there and, and take it. And and then, and what that usually is doing is we can look at the tail of that and we can predict it out to like within 18 to 24 months of what that LTV is going to be like and enables us to be very nimble and take advantages of like openings and in, 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 in when CACs come down and ROAS is up and for, for various reasons. Sometimes it's seasonal. Sometimes it's like, I have no idea. Like, you know, when iOS started happening, people started pulling back on their spending. We're like, no, let's go because we, we, we figured out how to like, wow. take advantage of it. Your your ability to pivot is is truly incredible. ADHD, telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is a blessing. I would say the majority Sometimes. of the time. Sometimes. My wife probably doesn't always think so. <laughs> yeah. uh, so for my final question, uh, what's next for you on a personal level? I'm curious and Vegamore. Well, I mean, I'm super excited about this. Um, we're finally at a stage where um, we have the 
funds and means to actually fund a lot of really cool social impact projects that, that I've been very passionate about. Um, we have a, a, an apple tree planting program that we're piloting in, in northern Namibia. There's not enough, um, because of global warming, like the, the, the climate has changed and, and the dry season is just getting longer and longer. So we have um, figured out this, we found this amazing uh, variety of apple that actually was developed by a, a botanist in Kenya. And it, it fruits about four times a year and it can survive in basically any climate, cold or hot, arid. Uh, it just needs the help of a, 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 a what's called a groasis water box, which is this box that it's like they call a water donut. And um, you fill it up with 80 liters of water during the rainy season. You put the seedling in there. And after you know, the one year, the, the water kind of drips or sweats out. And it's enough for that taproot to get established so that tree is secure. And then you can take those water boxes and, and use them up to 10 times. And so we want to plant like 30,000 apple trees. So it's a ways that the, 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 um, the people there that we're working with can be able to have a, a sustainable, like, you know, supply of vitamin C and fiber um, that they, they don't have to, at, at this point in time and then another thing which is even i'm even more excited about is this clean stove program that we're kicking off and i'm and bringing in uh, other uh, companies other beauty brands as well that are, that are participating in it um they say in, in africa right now they use open cooking fires right a, a lot of the households do and those those are all they use a lot of fuel ten thousand pounds of firewood a year per per household at least in the region that we're at they emit like tons of like you know fumes into the air carbon you know uh, emissions and then they also um, contribute to respiratory illnesses and uh, mostly to children but like 10 times more um people die from open cooking fire respiratory illnesses from open cooking fires in africa than wow. malaria tv or hiv aids combined you know and so there's no solution so what we've come up with is there's this amazing engineer in, in the netherlands developed this like clean stove that's got a little fan that's powered by a solar panel um they're like 50 dollars each but they the other the marula kernels that we crack in the shells that people just throw away we can use those for fuel so when we've eliminated the ten thousand pounds of going out and deforesting trying to find firewood um which also saves time on labor so women are the ones that have to go out and forage for the wood and build the fires that aren't very efficient. And this stove saves them 72 days of labor per year. Saves 10,000 pounds of firewood from being taken from the forest. It also emits, uh, it saves four tons of, of, of uh, carbon emissions in the year. And, and, and it also, like, again, eliminate complete elimination of respiratory illnesses due to like cooking fires because it burns clean. Um, it's, it's amazing. It's going to save like, you know, hundreds of thousands of lives. And, and I'm super excited about, about that program. How so rewarding does it I feel? Do. How rewarding huh? does it feel to like build a brand, which is also incredible, but then to do such good things as a result of it? How does that feel? And it feels, I mean, it's why I started. I wanted to, I mean, remember I was trying to create more awareness so that if people formulated properly, we could create more opportunities, you know? So like, you know, right now we have 5,000 women that we work with in the Fair Trade Partnership by creating demand for formulations and, and actives, you know, that the way that we're doing, uh, you know, hopefully that, that creates opportunity for 20,000, you know, women and who typically support about six people in their family. So, you know, you do the math, it, it's, that's a lot of people they have, and it's, I don't know. It's just, it's amazing. It's, it's, it makes it when you wake up in the morning and you, you know, especially when I'm, I'm over there a lot and, and I see how, how people who have so little are actually can be so happy at the same time. 
And you're just like, wow, like these people deserve so much more. And, and just having a simple thing like this that could be totally funded by carbon offset credits that corporations want to pay for now that are looking for great opportunities to do this. It, it's a program that's completely self-sustaining and, and can impact the lives of, of hundreds of thousands, if not millions at some point in time. Um, and just to be able to contribute in a small way to that, it, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, my dad always said, like, you know, if you are, we're supposed to come into this, this world, we're supposed to like, you know, take whatever gifts we've been given, hone them and then share them with others. And, and, and whatever we do, try to like, you know, leave the world a slightly better place than when we found it. I think that's like, that's in my DNA. It's in Vegamore's DNA. And, and, and it's things like this that enable us to, to realize that vision. So it's, 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 it's wonderful. Well, I think you are. So thank you so, so much for sharing all that you shared. Oh with gosh, me. I appreciate it so much for anyone listening who wants to find out more information on yourself and Vegamore, where can I direct them? <laughs> Vegamore.com. They don't know. <laughs> Everybody knows. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to leave a review and subscribe to all future episodes. For show notes and resources mentioned, go to glamandgrow.co. This show is produced by Wavebreak. If you're an e-commerce marketing leader who wants to take your email and CRM program to the next level, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co. Thanks so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Wavebreak. Most brands don't email right and it costs them. With ad costs getting more and more expensive, a world-class email and SMS program is essential. This is why Wavebreak exists. We're the premier email and SMS marketing agency that helps brands take their retention programs to the next level. If you want to learn more about partnering with us and how we can help, schedule a call with me today at wavebreak.co slash call.